Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise. I am Cameron, and I play Chicklevar, the Sorcerer. And I am Danny, and I play Balthazar, the Barbarian. This is episode one of Baldur's Gate 3. Episode one and episode 81 overall, I think. Episode 81 overall. And I guess we could drill it down to be even more specific, which is like... uh. In in just Baldur's Gates, what episode is it? And I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, that's pretty easy because we we kind of did all the Baldur's Gate at the front. So you just got to mm-hmm. find like the first episode of Planescape mm-hmm. Torment. Well, we, uh, you know, we went beyond Baldur's Gate for a while. We went, we did Baldur's Gate and we were like, well, that's done. We're going to be far afield. Mm-hmm. And... Was Baldur's Gate 3, I think Baldur's Gate 3 was in fact announced after we had already finished the Baldur's Gate games, right? Easy. We finished Baldur's Gate with episode 43. So in the Baldur's Gate lineage, this is episode 44. So Mm -hmm. this is episode 1, episode 81, and episode 44, all somehow. At one time, it was five years ago. Uh, You know, let me look up Baldur's Gate 3 announcement. Baldur's Gate 3. Three announcement. I'm going to guess 2019. It's 2019. Mm. 2019. The official announcement trailer. So uh, let me do a little mental math. Doodly doodly do. Yes, we had finished Baldur's Gate 2 before a hint of Baldur's Gate 3. And matter of fact, I remember an interview with uh, Mm -hmm. Phil Daigle. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk? You want to talk about some behind the scenes shit? Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like it's like there There was a short conversation that happened that maybe Baldur's Gate 3 might occur. Mm-hmm. I, and a matter of, matter of fact, on that interview, I think mm-hmm. Phil asks, yeah. like we kind of brought up, oh, you know, Beamdog, mm-hmm. you just did mm-hmm. Siege of Dragon Spear. This is a new Baldur's. That was a new Baldur's Gate game when it was released. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about what would Baldur's Gate 3 you know, have to look like if it was released, yeah. you know, in a contemporary mm-hmm. sense. Like, what think and, about and the I believe hype. he said, I believe he said, what would you want? Didn't you say something like that? Like, it he would did. Be, what would you want in it? And we decided bullet hell. I think we did decide bullet hell. I think we did, I think we decided bullet hell. I think we decided uh, the Matrix time stop. Mm-hmm. I think we decided a clown in many parts. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just completely uh it's a hidden item game yeah Mm -hmm. kind of like a hidden object game yes that's right you're looking for a waldo Mm -hmm. some sort of fantasy waldo um well we got it we got Baldur's gate 3 we got Baldur's gate 3 and we've had a couple of episodes on this channel in this playlist not official not not numbered Mm -hmm. episodes but We've done some stuff. We got preview copies. We played it a little bit. I, I we like talked quite a bit about our first impressions of the early access. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we decided, you know what, we wanted the game to come out in its final shape before like a covering it in Mages of Murder Dads. I'm very glad we did. I'm glad we waited literally until now because uh, it wasn't too long ago that Patch Five came out and just added an epilogue that heretofore was not present yeah we are recording these in december january 2023 
Mm -hmm. That's the zone in which we are trying to record all of these. And yeah, that patch five, which came out, what, beginning of December, a couple weeks ago? Yep. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it just like changed the whole ending of the game, which, um, as we might have expressed before, was kind of like a, uh, uh, que say, uh, a productive sneeze. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't much. It wasn't much of nothing, uh, is what I'm saying. That final scene in the uh, before patch five was uh you know i think that you've uh in homestuck made this world you talk about the deflationary move yeah it felt a bit like that mm -hmm. and we'll do some comparison inevitably in nine months when uh, when we actually get there because you have plotted this out and maybe you can say a little bit about what the show is but just to give some numbers you've plotted this out and it looks like we're going to take it nearly 20 episodes yeah, I think that to get if, through BG3, if we stay on schedule in terms of the content per episode that I've kind of planned, we'll actually be ending this season on episode 99. Wow. Mm hmm. How about that? Think about the pressure. If we do another game, if we did like mm -hmm. a Pillars of Eternity or whatever. The first mm -hmm. episode of that being episode 100. What pressure on that yeah. game? Yeah. What pressure? Mm -hmm. In any case, the. Structurally, we have to do this differently. Um, in every game we've done to more or less extent, we've kind of been able to say, okay, we'll play. Cameron, hey, play this level. Or Cameron says, hey, go to this castle, and we both kind of play the castle. Mm -hmm, and then we, mm -hmm. we record an episode about, oh, well, That's sorry. me all the time. Go to this castle. Go to this castle. And go you know to what? this castle. Mm-hmm. To Diarnese Keep. Yeah. Fight them gnolls. And I'd fight the gnolls, and then we'd talk yep. about the gnolls, and we'd be able, like, at the end of that episode, be like, ah, you want to hit up the, the weird graveyard? Ah, sure. Mm -hmm. We can't do it this way. I literally, I kind of, like, mm -hmm. in our very earliest conversations about how we were going to do this show, I would say, okay, this is my route. And you just looked at my route, like, my the order in which I would need to do things as a mm -hmm. solo character, and, and you were like, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> like that, like I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, well, so, I'm going to take one step backward from what you're saying right now. Okay, which is to say, if you have never listened to Mages and Murder Dads before, there are eighty some odd episodes before this you could go listen to. The general idea, as you are saying, is that we play a chunk and then we talk about it. It's not a let's play. It's more like a like a, a let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> more like a podcast where it's a discussion oriented thing. You're welcome to leave a comment. If you uh, listen to this on YouTube or if you watch it on YouTube, you, you will see all kinds of footage of the things that we are talking about that I have to painstakingly edit together. You can also listen to it as a podcast. I think that's available through uh, YouTube music or whatever the hell it's called right now. I've enabled the podcast feed there. You can also just go down to the description below, get access to an RSS link, and that'll go into any podcast thing. You don't have to play along with us. We talk, uh, we, we talk about the whole thing. Um, but if you have played, you'll, you know, you'll get a little bit more stuff. And again, if you watch the video, you'll see all the stuff too. So this can be your one-stop shop for everything you might want to know about the non-academic field of Baldur's Gate 3 play. Mm -hmm. Or it could be some other thing for you. I'm just giving them that. So, that so the, the first comment we get is not, I thought this was going to be a let's play and I was disappointed. Uh, yeah, please don't leave that comment. No. I shouldn't be modeling that, should I? You shouldn't be modeling the bad comment. You're right. No. In any case, yeah, that's yeah. what this is. It's a show, not a let's play. And 
it, we're going to have to do it differently this time. Um, basically, Cameron and I have both played Act One of this playthrough. And then I have organized the next six episodes to talk about the prologue and the various locales and quests and the moving pieces of the way in which the act, I believe, works. We'll see. We'll see if like the that method of coverage works out. But I think that this is just it's the kind of the way we had to do things because the the variance of play the the, the like mm-hmm. the many possibilities of the way an experience of play of Baldur's Gate can like pan out are so different that it's it was it was not feasible to do like a session by session or like covering the exact same ground and then this meet after that so mm-hmm. we've both like we're gonna start this prologue and like we kind of both know how the full act is going to go but we will constrain our as best we can our discussion to kind of what we're covering in that particular episode and in this first episode we're going to be talking about character creation you know the, the prologue the big setup and, and and we're gonna maybe meet a couple of friends hmm. maybe some companions maybe we will maybe <laughs> we won't uh you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to over there because we play these games differently well we have canonical alter egos yeah yeah they're not, mm-hmm. it's not Cameron. And Craig. <laughs> He's a CPA. Mm-hmm. He's doing math all day. Yeah. Ooh. Balthazar the Barbarian is canonically the mm-hmm. character that I play. And starting a couple of episodes into the Baldur's Gate 1 playthrough, Balthazar mm-hmm. decided to go it alone. And Balthazar is a solo playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, and Baldur's Gate 3 will adhere to that. Icewind Dale kind of started as one, and then I kind of had to bail because that is just kind of a fundamentally a different type of game. But I am sticking with it in Baldur's Gate 3. Mm-hmm. But also, um, there is a... There's a kind of when you're making your character in Baldur's Gate 3, you yep. get you get several options. You can choose to like play as one of the companions that you would be able to recruit normally if you were a custom character. Mm-hmm. These are called and origin characters. Origin characters. And they have big plots. And no matter whether you are playing. You have to log into EA's digital game distribution platform origin in order to use them. Mm hmm. <laughs> it's a huge. It's a big deal. Larian's really got us on this one. Mm hmm. They're making us use the competitors. They're making us do that thing where you have to log into Steam and then you got to log into another thing inside of Steam. That's synergy. It's a sin. <laughs> you got the first three letters right. I'll tell you that. It's a it's the original sin. Um, no, I guess they're called origin characters. What? Because they have origins. Yeah, I think so. The origins beyond being made up in my noodle over here. Yeah, I think that they are. Um, there's they have a quest whether you play as them or with them. Right. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's kind of that's the that is the deal when you create that's their deal. That's their deal. Wow. Um, and you can choose. Can you change one their of the, face. This this is like no. I'm, I, this is a weird question. So I can't choose. You cannot Lazel. customize okay. their appearance. Okay. You cannot customize their class. You cannot okay. even customize their like subclass if that is a thing that is selected at first level. So, for example, mm-hmm. Shadowheart, you can't mm-hmm. pick a different domain. Um, but you can change their ability scores. That is like the thing. <laughs> that's the thing you can do. Yep. 
Um, in any case, so like those are options available to us. That's not what we're doing. We are doing custom characters, but there's one like origin story that actually allows you to make a custom character. Hey, you want to talk about Tav first? Yeah, Tav is the uh, is kind of the um, what is it in Mass Effect? Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Shepherd. It's basically if you make a character and you mm-hmm. don't put a name in, it auto inserts Tav. Yeah, T A V. But uh, that's important. The reason I'm saying that is that historically. Hey, what, 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 big, big, Danny, big, uh, big picture. What was Baldur's Gate? You know, one sentence. What was Baldur's Gate one and two about? What were they about? Turns out your dad's the god of murder, and there's mm-hmm. a little bit of Highlander going on. Mm-hmm. Some some ball spawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, so, you're your dad ball. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. his spawn. Yeah, so you're not. Uh, if you didn't put a name in, they didn't turn you into, you know, Abdel. That's right. I remember the canonical name for the novelization protagonist for Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, the novels, Abdel. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. I don't know what they did if you didn't put it. They probably just said put a name in. Quit I think silly. it was blank. Yeah. <laughs> they just they were just like you don't get a name. Yeah. But and so in the in the world we called that the ball spawn. Mhm. In this game there's no it's tav yeah to the point where online discussions are like hey you know i made my tav a Mm -hmm. cleric right watch back in the day we had a ball spawn you would say i made my ball spawn a cleric that Mm -hmm. was cooler tav's not cool tav's not cool like i wouldn't prejudge somebody named tav Let's let's keep saying it. Let's keep saying it in like every time we say it, it gets like 10 percent more uh, profound. You ready? Mm hmm. Tav's not cool. I just got an email from Tav. Tav. Yeah. Tav from HR. Tav is firing you. (laughs) Tav just told me to turn in my badge. Tav's across the desk twiddling his mustache saying you got to turn in your badge and gun? (laughs) Tav said I don't deserve it if I'm losing my service weapon all the time. Uh, In scene. Mm -hmm. It's good. Anyway, they call him Tav. It's not the ball spawn. I think that's a downgrade. Sure. Yep. Uh, but you uh, you didn't choose a Tav, or you did choose a Tav named Balthazar, and Balthazar's got, there's like a, there's origin characters, and then there's like, do whatever the hell you want, and, and then there's like a weird little thing in between. There's a weird little thing in between, uh, and you can choose a unique quest that you do not have access to uh, if you choose a full custom character. You can basically opt into what's called the Dark Urge. Ooh. And let me let me ask if this uh you know reminds you of anything you've ever heard of. Okay, this is the quest text. Is that yeah? What I, I'm not going to quote it. I'm just going to give you the sure. vibe here. Okay, okay. You've lost your memory, and you have a lot of like homicidal urges. Uh huh. Okay. You don't you don't quite know who you are. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta try to piece together who exactly you are and why it is that you have these weird homicidal urges. Yep. That ring any bells? You know, in the games we've covered? Or is this kind of new? Does it ring-a-ding-ding any dang-darn bells? Hmm, let's see. Well, I think in some of the previous games, sometimes you'd go to sleep and fantasize about destroying and ripping apart limb from limb everyone in your family and local friendship group. I specifically remember, like, being on a boat, on an ocean of blood. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say I haven't played the Dark Urge. Ticklevar mm-hmm. is not Dark Urge. I can say that. But it sounds like Balthazar the Barbarian is Dark Urge. Yep. Balthazar the Barbarian I'm, is I'm going Dark to say Urge. this. This is this is my this is my uh gambit, okay? Okay. Samen Haverian's grandchild. Oh. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so what does that involve? You just click the thing and you're like, I'm Dark Urge. Yeah. You know, rude, the, the, rude biggest, the biggest effect that it has on mm. character creation is you can, you you get a unique background, which is a part mm-hmm. of kind of 5E character creation. There's the, the typical stuff of, oh, you choose your class. Class is barbarian. You choose your quote unquote race, which mm-hmm. your, my race is half orc. And that gives you stuff. Each one of these things give you some stuff. And then the final piece before ability scores is your background. And the background uh, gives you a couple little bonuses to skills. So like soldier, you get bonuses to athletics because you're soldiering and like intimidation. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's a unique background for the the. Uh, for the dark urge, and it is called Haunted One. <laughs> is a ghost following you around? And the two skills are medicine and intimidation. What? Yeah. Is it because you know about like organs and Anatomy, shit? Anatomy, yeah, I guess. Ugh. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Has that come up? Has medicine come up a single time in this game? Well, what's interesting is usually if you have a specific background, like urchin is a background. Yeah. Um, and if there is a situation where maybe you uh, are trying to like hide in an urban area or you're trying to like pickpocket someone or like something like that, you might get a dialogue option that has in brackets your background, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. every background, every like dialogue option that is related to dark urge it won't have the background name it'll just have dark urge huh so it's it's, it's it seems a little uh it's kind like, of coming up all the time yeah I, I, or maybe it is coming up but it is simply the case that like dark urge trumps mm-hmm. the, the right. background name in any case i mean Chicklevar, i think chose noble and i purely chose that just because of the uh skill proficiencies you get and i don't think that's come up a single time although it does change your inspiration we'll talk about inspiration at some point we later will, on yeah. but um but that does it, it kind of sets up what inspires you and what doesn't um which i wonder what inspires the dark urge well, well we shall see in any case Being kind i bet <laughs> in any case the uh the details of balthazar's character creation pretty simple half orc mm-hmm. barbarian and uh just really str- really strong a little mm-hmm. bit dexterous, really Ooh. hearty in hail, and mm-hmm. I think <laughs> like basically eights and tens in uh, intelligence, charisma, and wisdom. I think I probably put wisdom a little bit higher, and that's mm-hmm. just a little bit of meta knowledge, knowing about what saves are really important in fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. You really don't want a yeah. low wisdom score. No, <laughs> you want to be wise. You want to be wise enough not to be put to sleep. You want to be wise enough not to be held. Mm-hmm. Just all the save or suck effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ticklevar is a sorcerer. Um, now, you bullied me. I advised you. You bullied me. 
mm-hmm. you said, if you don't do, no, you didn't, you didn't bully me, but you did, you said, hey, because uh, there are, wait, I, one, st- one step back, sorry, you're Dark Urge, Balthazar the Barbarian, mm-hmm. Dark Urge background or origin, whatever, um, subclass of Barbarian? Subclass gets chosen at level three for oh, barbarians. Yeah, yeah. it's weird because in fifth edition there are some classes which at level one you got to pick mm-hmm. a specialization, right? Yeah, yeah. Some classes it's cleric. at level. Yeah, cleric is is the one because that's like sorcerer, sorcerer, wizards mm-hmm. level two. Ooh, wizard is like oh, what's your what's your you know school? And then most other subclasses are chosen at level three. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think ranger. sorcerer is level one, right? It's level one, and mm-hmm. so uh, I made that choice um, off the bat. And you told me because there's like what? There's wild mage, mm-hmm. which I don't know who's choosing that, but it ain't me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just not happening. Yeah, there is a uh, uh, dragon blood or something like that. Mm-hmm. Draconic, Draconic blood. Yeah, something like that, and I don't remember what it does. Oh, yes, I do. It kind of gives you some scaly skin and some benefits from that. Maybe a, a spell specialization or something. It gives you a free little uh, area cone effect, I think. And yeah. Oh, it gives yeah. You, a breath and, weapon. Yeah. Breath and, it, weapon. and it gives you a um, plus one to AC. Yeah, because of your scaly skins. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't it'll like, like the way as it looks. You, yeah, that's the thing. Is it like it really does when you choose the draconic uh, subclass for sorcerer? Mm-hmm. You're you're having to opt in to being a, being a scaly boy. Yeah, it is interesting because they're like it's th- the reason for that. I get it is that sorcerers in D and D, it's about blood. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's about like whose blood you got. You are you a wild mage? It's because because you got wild. You, I think it's actually like fey blood, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. So what what gives you that? My my uh, I haven't read the player's handbook in a while for fifth edition. But uh, for uh, for the dragon thing, which I think in like third edition was just standard, like like what made you a sorcerer? You got dragon blood in there. I think that's like the the, st- the stable thing. And that's initially what I was going for, because I was like, look, we had a conversation and you said, hey, you should be this uh, this one kind. And I said, but I think canonically. Dicklevar got dragon blood. Mm hmm. But here's the deal. It made me look a way I didn't like. I don't like it. I don't like looking at it. Like that's just it. And then you tell me what's the what's the one I ended up choosing? You remember the Storm. name? Storm. Storm. And it's like, hey, would you like to get a bunch of like weird ass storm spells for free? You want to be able to like make winds blow, being like a pirate sorcerer? And I was like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And then it said, hey, uh, if you hit with any level one or above spell in any given turn would you like to be able to fly for free for 30 feet <laughs> yes. without provoking attacks of opportunity at any time yeah do you think that that's uh weaker or stronger than plus one to ac cameron w- would you like to be able to and and this is a thing i've done not in episode one of course but later on would you like to be able to use your sorcerer points which is its own little mini game we'll, we'll talk about at some point would you like to be able to blow two sorcerer points, uh, use a spell as a bonus action, use that bonus action to fireball a group of enemies, use your standard action to fireball that same group of enemies, and then fly away while giggling? <laughs> Would you like to do that? Maybe Storm Sorcerer is for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, this so is- yeah, that's what Ticklevar's up to. Hey, you know how like Ticklevar like ate shit for forty five episodes? He did. Never again. No, no. Storm sorcerers are very strong. It's and to be honest, strong. I was suggesting it for way more minor reasons, just because. Oh well, I've, this is me pushing my glasses up on my brow. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, you know, if, if, I've been looking at my spreadsheet. Ticklevar is a human, and humans in Baldur's Gate Three, uh, the fifth edition adaptation, they they get they gave humans something that they don't give in the tabletop version, which is free proficiency in light armor. So that plus one to armor class that uh, that draconic sorcerers get that that isn't you're not eligible for that plus one if you're wearing any. Armor, and it's given that you already have the light armor proficiency, and you'll be able to wear your light armor for free. Uh, it's quite a little suboptimal. It's a little suboptimal to go draconic if you're a human sorcerer. That was where hmm. I was coming from. That's you. Hey, you know what I just learned? Yeah. Like just now? Yeah. I got a light armor proficiency. <laughs> I've never looked. <laughs> I clicked human. I just thought they don't get shit. I, mean, I don't care. They do get weird things. They get to, they get to like wield hay forks and shit. Like that's like part of what they get. Yeah. So the, the, it's really strange because in early if you're access, a humor, they, if you're a human, they assert that you're a pig farmer. Yeah. No matter what your background, you have a genetic predisposition toward pig farming. I believe the bonus is called uh, militia. Yes, it is. I I think that is right. It's all like every human has been conscripted at one point or the other, no matter what your profession. They're given Mm -hmm. light armor and they're given a spear or a pitchfork. Yeah, look, the spell plague happened. It like changed people forever. Changed society. Yeah. Changed everybody. Well, that's cool to learn. Mm hmm. Especially since I've been playing, oh, roughly 15 hours or so, not knowing that. Well, here's the thing. I think whether you've got plus one to armor class or you have, um, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> light armor proficiency, it kind of doesn't matter if you're able to fly away at the end of every turn. Yeah, uh, being able to fly a lot, I also have, uh, you know, this will come up later. By virtue of having played the whole first act, sometimes things get mixed around. Sure. Uh, and I don't know where this is going to come up anyway, so I'll just say it now. Somewhere around like level two or three, I got gauntlets of arrow snatching mm-hmm. do you know these i do know these they're sold by the first merchant you meet in the uh, emerald grove so i probably purchased them from from that fella and yeah so uh if someone shoots you with an arrow as a reaction you could just grab that thing out of the air and ticklevar has been grabbing arrows uh although it's very funny that the special effect from some arrow attacks still applies so you so for example many times he has reached up Snatched an arrow out of the air, and it has then exploded and <laughs> or uh, knocked him to the ground prone. <laughs> That's fun. It's I a mean, funny yeah. thing to see. Mm-hmm. There's still a bomb on that arrow. There's still, yeah, it doesn't change. You know, it's a simulation. Yeah. Um, that's good. Barbarians are going to get more interesting as as I get a couple of levels in and as I kind of like settle into the build that I have planned. But mm-hmm. the big difference uh, in fifth edition versus previous editions with respect to the barbarian rage, which is like the keystone, the big ability. That's the reason yeah. why barbarians are barbarians and not fighters, is mm-hmm. that in previous editions, uh, barbarian rage gave you all these immunities. And that was kind of the reason why Balthazar the Barbarian was able to do Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 solo. That and the fact that mm-hmm. he got a bunch of, he got like a full party's worth of experience and leveled six times faster. Um, yeah, and because he was he was going uh, full Wolfgar, right? He's just like, ooh, ain't nobody hurting me. Correct, yeah. It's like, oh, any kind of stun, paralysis, yeah. sleep, yeah. etc. None of it, none of it worked. None of that is true 
in fifth edition, not at level yeah. one. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, the, what it does is it gives you resistance to physical damage. So all physical damage is basically halved and rounded down before I take it. And like barbarians already start with like the highest HP per level. And I'm, I've got good constitution. So that is like the first thing. And then the second thing is like a lot of barbarian abilities don't work unless you are raging. So mm -hmm. it kind of unlocks new offensive potential. But in terms mm -hmm. of like adding extra damage, it's like a very minor bonus um, mm -hmm. that like on its own. So I think when I first booted up Baldur's Gate 3 and I was kind of like reacquainting myself with the fifth edition rule set and looking at Barbarian, I was like, oh, I've mm -hmm. still got to deal with like all these spells that could, mm -hmm. you know, hold me, etc. You were but, thinking maybe Balthazar the Barbarian was a level one Barbarian, level seven cleric. That's well, what you were thinking. That's the thing. And I did, uh, after the full game was released, I did a playthrough of not a Barbarian because I wanted to just play mm -hmm. the game in a different way. Um, but shortly after that, I started a, uh, somewhat Balthazar run and you told me, you said, don't do this, Danny. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna get sick. You're gonna burn yourself out. I did not finish mm -hmm. that run. I but know I, you. Mm -hmm. I know how you are. Mm hmm. I said, take a break. Yeah. But yeah, you played what? Like maybe 20 hours or yeah, something? Yeah, I played 20 hours. I wanted to play to kind of figure out whether or not the solo was truly viable. And I got enough information to know it was. I will mm -hmm. say there are a lot of builds that I played with that had like a dip of Barbarian, like two levels of Barbarian, and then like mm -hmm. went wild. I am not doing that for this run because I am Balthazar the Barbarian. It's Barbarian first. Barbarian's always going to have the highest number of levels in mm -hmm. whatever build I am doing. So it will be mostly Barbarian. Um, so that'll be fun. That'll be good. It won't be just barbarian to paladin eight. Right. And then, right. And then like using reckless attack and rage and smiting. Um, yeah, that is fun though. <laughs> that is, that is fun. I've got some great footage of one shotting a bunch of, a bunch of things with smite paladins are, are very powerful in this game, but that's kind of what Balthazar is. We've talked about our two little characters and you're also a noble, probably just for pers persuasion, right? Is that why you pick noble? Uh, maybe yeah sure mm -hmm. I don't remember I think it gave me history persuasion and something else I don't know it doesn't really and matter and swag uh, that's right mm -hmm. I'm able to to uh, really demonstrate to people my uh, noble upbringing actually I got an inspiration point fairly recently for having 2000 gold <laughs> because I'm a noble and I just love money that's good I guess that's good. I don't know what that is. We'll talk about it as we get further on into the game. But uh, yeah, 18 charisma, um, and I think like maybe 14, 14 for dexterity and um, what you call it, uh, some other thing. Yeah. Constitution. Because yeah, so the, you are, yeah, mm -hmm. unlike the previous Baldur's Gate games, sorcerers have a uh, attribute that they key off of in 5th edition. Mm -hmm. So it actually matters a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I put the dexterity in because that'll give you, you know, some bonus, some dexterity, some some bonus AC. So I think Ticklevar is rocking like a 12, AC 12, AC 13, something like that. Okay. Not bad. Maybe, maybe going to be able to, like, when, when you log on and start playing Act 2 later, you might put on some light armor. It might, it might improve drastically. Oh, I'm going to. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm going to put on drow armor, some shit like that. Who knows? But, uh, but yes, we did that. Uh, this isn't the uh, only thing you do, though. Do you know that? Make it you a like character? Yeah. yeah, you create your guy, and then you create some a other guy. guy. 
just a, just a fella. Mm-hmm. Um, what do, what do we, so it's called, what's it called? Like the spirit companion? I dream visitor. Dream visitor. Or dream what? guardian. I remember initially it was oh, guardian and you were prompted in the early access, you were prompted like, what do you desire? Are you DTF? <laughs> and if so, well, actually, no, there was no. And uh, if there, so, whomst? There was no ace option that you could like click to opt out of the secondary character creation. In yeah, early I don't access. think there was. Thinking no. about it, yeah, there was like, who do you, who are you about? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but you, uh, could, but you, uh, you do that. Make whatever you want. Parentheses in the confines of a Baldur's Gate three fifth edition you know, fantasy ass mm. thing. Yeah, if they would let me make truly any kind of character I want, I'd make a Modron. Yes. <laughs> I want just a cube. Mm-hmm. I want a floating cube with arms and legs and wings. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody's uh, going wild. It's like, oh let me let me customize my Otyug temp tentacles. How many- oh <laughs> shit. Have people added hold on, I gotta look this up. Uh uh Modron characters BG three. Let me see if someone's done this yet. There are definitely mods that let you play as a kobold. Yes, I have seen those. It's looking like no Modrons yet. Dang. I know. How disappointing. But yeah, so you got to create this... Oh God, what is it called? Dream Guardian? Mm, Spirit Lover? What is it called? What did you say? I think I think it was a Dream Visitor. Dream Visitor. Okay, you got to make this character. What'd you make? I, uh, I actually pulled off a, uh, a little strategy you pulled off mm-hmm. which was i think for your first playthrough you were like i'm gonna make this thing look ridiculous so when it comes on screen you will be able to recognize it as the thing you created right yes yeah i very purposefully made like a light purple skinned heavily tattooed i think gnome just so it was like unambiguous that this was my creative character because yeah. i was afraid i would forget what it looked like that's not what i did for this one but but that was my initial strategy uh, so yeah, you are prompted. What's wild is in my footage, you will see I hit random a couple of times. Geralt of Rivia appears. I swear to God, <laughs> it's just they a spitting image of <laughs> the Witcher Three's protagonist. <laughs> like cool. Um, I don't go with that. I hit the uh, randomize mm-hmm. one more time, and it's like just some half you want elf. Trust Marigold. It's it's a it's a like a half elf woman with uh with like purple hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, sure, that's fine. right. Because it kind of doesn't really matter. It doesn't. And um, you are prompted. So the prompt later on, it's going to be referred to as a dream visitor. But mm-hmm. the only prompt is you need a guardian. Choose one. Ah, the actual text. Interesting. I'm not going to tell you what I chose for mine. Okay. People can watch the video right now. You're looking at it right now. You can see what I did. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's funnier. That's fun. What's interesting is this character creation happens in between two cinematics. Oh, is that true? Yeah. So you start, you boot up the game, you you select mm-hmm. the difficulty, which I think we both selected balanced. Just regular, regular, yeah. The regular old difficulty. And there is a, uh, there's, there's a little brief cinematic and we see a Gith Yankee um, getting uh, like getting uh, a, a little bug put in, put in her eye. Like mm-hmm. that is that is the first cinematic. And then the cinematic ends with like we're watching from our own little pod prison that gets mm-hmm. Yankee get get bugged. Mm-hmm. And then the the mind flayer turns their attention to us and then they bug us. Mm-hmm. And then we create our character. 
And then there's a character. And then there is another cinematic. Hmm. What is that cinematic? That cinematic is the uh, probably one of the first cinematics that ever came out in this game. It is it is almost unchanged. There's a little bit extra from, uh, you know, that was added after, you know, that, that was added, you know, when the game launched. But that cinematic is a giant nautiloid ship with like tentacles arriving in a city and and absolute going wild, like zapping people up into the ship. You know, it's crashing towers and then some dragons come out of a portal and start attacking it. And the dragons have like it's Yankee on them. And uh, you see the mind flare and he's like, oh, gosh, <laughs> he's inside the Nautilus. He's trying to navigate away and they like go to an icy place. Uh, maybe, maybe it's Icewind Dale. Maybe this is close to Tin Towns. And oh, the, the dragons follow me there. And then he like takes a takes another turn, goes through another portal. And uh, we see a dragon like explode the chamber that we were just in. And we actually, this is the difference from the uh, difference compared to the early access. We kind of have this additional piece of footage that shows that same Githyanki woman uh, like crawling out of her uh, of her uh, pod that she was imprisoned mm-hmm. in. And she looks out and don't you know, we're in, we're in Avernus. We're in hell. There's oh. a bunch of imps flying around. Cool. Um, and they begin to attack the ship, and that is when the game begins. I want to play as an imp. Let me be an imp. I know, right? Let me summon an imp. Be my buddy. You know, I haven't messed around with polymorph. I wonder what 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 kind of is it? Is it just a sheep? Yeah, probably sheep's and goats. Mm. Are there goat? I don't think there's goats in this game. Might just be sheep. Sheep's and cows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the roth. The ro- the roth a. I don't like that. You know, <laughs> no. you you disregard the the accent. Yeah. Roth is such better than Rothe. Rothe. That's that's awful. That's got <laughs> the worst mouthfeel ever. It's not Roth. a good mouthfeel. That's I'll, I'll that's cool. I 100 percent believe you. Yeah, which is better. The uh, yeah, so all that happens. And then we we wake up in the ship. We wake up. All to this a, has been playing the whole time. If you're watching the videos, it's all been playing. You, yeah, you get it. You we get wake it up to a, uh, I think, well shortened tutorial. This this tutorial had like two big areas chopped out of it compared to where the early access was. Oh and really? It, it, yeah, it, it does. Um, I think the first tutorial was a little bit more Gygaxian of like, oh well, in order to get to the helm, you'd have to go up on the deck and like go around oh that is right yeah i forgot about that that's true that's not in here anymore yeah where you were kind of like out on the like exterior of the ship kind of like final fantasy 10 mm-hmm. when you're fighting that big thing on the <laughs> people final fantasy 10 heads know what i'm talking about here when you're yeah. fighting that that boss monster or you're on top of their ship you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying uh yeah you did have to do that but you don't have to do that now it's it's pretty um it's like a good 40 minute tutorial prologue you make your way through the nautiloid people who have seen our previous videos on this can figure it out most people have seen this in some form or fashion if they care about Baldur's gate i think it's just been you know it, it was shown multiple times in the early access period as part of like official streams things like that and i think a lot of people have played through this part too yeah and it truly is a bare bones tutorial the tutorial is just via tool tips so mm-hmm. it's not as if tutorialization is like built into the level. If you turned off tooltips, this would not be a tutorial. Um, but yeah, you you leave the chamber. You are uh, you are confronted by Lazel, 
Mm-hmm. And the, we the are Gith Yankee we were a, talking about. The Gith Yankee we've been talking about in, in shiny silver armor. Mm-hmm. And you um, you very quickly realize that uh, you have both been implanted, as as was seen in the uh, in the introductory cinematic. But also you are now like able to get you're slightly telepathically connected. You can like see a little bit of each other's minds. And it's like mm-hmm. always accompanied with this animation of like getting a really bad migraine. You're like, Ugh, and then there's some like wiggles in the air. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Purple I, just, wiggles. I just saw what was in your brain. Mm-hmm. I got fleeting images of blah, 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 blah. That's right. It's going to happen about 900 times between here and the end of the game. Yep. Um, What do you think about uh, Lazel? I actually think that it's really interesting. I think that that small addition of the footage of her in the introductory cinematic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it helps not be immediately hostile to her when she like confronts you with her sword drawn. Um, I think it sells that character a little better in terms of her like telling you, oh, yeah, we both have the same problem. Right. Mm-hmm. We both have the same problem. And and they uh they let you get through this conversation very quickly. And in fact, the moment you talk to her and you're like, oh, man, we got to get to the helm. We got to get out of here because you've got you got a lot of problems right now, even mm-hmm. at this early point in the game. A, you got like a bug in your brain, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. B, you've been kidnapped for Balthazar. It's explicitly told me you can't remember anything. You're like mm-hmm. really disoriented. And also you're in hell. You're yeah. in like bad hell you're looking out there's there's lava there's <laughs> red mountains there's imps and shit flying around it's, Classic it's bad stuff. times yeah so yeah. um you are the motivated. blood wars going on down there <laughs> so you're motivated to like you know top priority let's get control of the ship and like navigate out of hell right yeah pull an elminster bust, yeah you, bust gotta, out. you gotta get out yeah. yeah well actually i think that book was called elminster in hell elminster goes to hell it's not goes to hell. Elminster it's, goes it, to hell. It's, it's not like a Freddy Krueger film or like a like a Ernest sequel. Ernest goes <laughs> yeah, to jail. Exactly. Ernest goes to hell. I I would do it. Elminster goes to jail. Jail. Elminster goes to camp. I like all that. That's yes. fun. Um, Elminster's it, Halloween, whatever that was called. Oh no, yeah. Elminster scared stupid. That's that's good. Um, you can uh, someone uh, draw that up for me. Someone draw, <laughs> you know, do a little sketch for me of Elminster uh, in the position of Ernest from Ernest Scared Stupid. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Elminster as like a kindergarten teacher, a la kindergarten cop. That's a different unit. Why are you bringing that up? I know, but I think that there's still like a fish out of water thing going on. Okay, all right, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll test it out. In any case, there is no like explicit dialogue way to refuse Lazel's assistance, and because this mm-hmm. is a tor- tutorial, uh, Balthazar is going to like allow this brief party like uh, cooperation to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, we will. Hear from Lazel once more after the tutorial and maybe at the end of this episode. Depends on how long we go here. But yeah, so we we meet up with Lazel. We immediately bit bop into a combat and we are introduced to turn-based 5th edition combat. It's a pretty accurate regular thing. It is pretty accurate. If you know 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, this is going to be quite similar 
It's interesting. The small changes, most of them are just good. Most of them are like, oh, wow, some game designers got a hold of this. Mm hmm. Um, these these were people that were not 100% just... Jesus. That is the biggest burn, but I'm going to stand behind that. Again, that snuck up on me. Jeez. Oh. Like, for example, initiative uh, in Dungeons & Dragons for a long time is like any other role. It's a D20. Yep. In uh, Baldur's Gate 3, initiative's a D4. Yeah. Um, which is so much better. It actually mm -hmm. makes your initiative modifier really impactful. So if you have like a yeah. plus four to initiative, you're going to go first like the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Uh, which is like a really big benefit in a turn-based game, like being able mm -hmm. to, if the enemy's surprised, being able to get that advantage, yeah. right? Being able to like position and set things up. Um, so, Well, it, it also does a thing that, uh, that tabletop, wants to probably discourage right which is simultaneous turns yes uh the video game it's like really really fun to be able to be like oh uh, you know my uh lazel and ticklevar they both got the same initiative so we get to like decide what happens when and i can like attack with one and then move with the other and attack with them and then move with the other right you know, yeah you what if you've got an area spell but the enemies are a little bit dispersed but oh if you've got simultaneous turns you can direct lazel to like right. push somebody into some yeah. other people mm -hmm. so it's great whereas i do think on the at the tabletop level that's not happening as much because i don't think fifth edition D D is often played as a tactics game um you know i think it i think it's often a lot more wiggly um, I mean, you've played a fifth edition game before. You played Curse of Strahd for like 15 years. Yeah, I played uh, Curse of Strahd, and I've also played a little bit of fifth edition um, Rhyme of the Ice Maiden. Right. But that one was not, as far as I understand, as far as the, my experience in that, right? It was played less by the book than, yep, yep. say, the Curse of Strahd was, right? But no, you're correct. When in, with the typical rule set, uh, you know, fifth edition... <laughs> It, it's a it's an addition of compromises, and I think we you you gotta you gotta regard it as a thing with so much inertia and nostalgia wrapped up in it. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be a fully. It's not a survivalist game where you're like the game isn't organized around tracking meticulously resources, but that's in there. It's mm -hmm. not a super hardcore tactical you know war game, but that's in there. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot of lanes and. Uh, fifth edition plays a lot like the original D and D, not not like in actual play, but mm -hmm. in concept. Because the original D and D was a build your own game toolkit because nothing made any sense. Sure, and like you know, you can you can read uh, Peterson's work on this. That was pretty explicitly understood by the people at TSR, right? And like yeah. everyone nationwide started like doing way radically different stuff. Fifth edition is a little bit like that, where like I don't. I've never encountered anyone who plays with all of the rules. It's kind of a pick your pick your thing. Yeah. However, when you make it a video game, you you got to make some choice. You got to pick the stuff, and then you got to implement them kind of to the hilt. And so, uh, and that's now what, that's what we we're are, getting here. and kind of Baldur's Gate is. Whereas Fourth Edition was actually like, no, we're gonna just gonna measure all distances in squares. Yeah. Right. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's really like picking its lane in terms of no, this is going to be a tactical experience with a lot of mm -hmm. like pushing and like movement matters. Baldur's Gate 3 is an implementation of 5th edition where the very specific number of feet or meters that your character can jump or, you know, travel or dash to 
is all going to be super granular and like matter in the same way and like line of sight is going to matter in the same way as like an XCOM game. Yeah. Yes. And there's going to be a very unique and particular play experience that emerges from all of those things kind of getting mashed together. Uh, but overall, this is the uh, really I was really hesitant to record this season because there was a season in the past where we played a game with turn based combat that that didn't work out. For and it rent your brain in twain and tra- <laughs> changed you as a person. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh. This one didn't do that. And I it created t- the great aporia where there's an 18 month period of your life. You just don't remember. And yeah, I don't, complete amnesia. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this game. And I have to tell you, after just doing two combats in mm-hmm. in the tutorial, you, you got the the first combat with Lazelle. You you end up meeting another character very briefly named Shadowheart. She's in mm-hmm. a pod. You can either try to free her and fail or like go to another room and find a key and yeah. free her in that fashion. Yep. Um, and she'll be like, okay, yeah, sure. She and Lazelle immediately get a little snappy with each other. They don't like each other. They don't like each other. Because Lazelle's an alien. Because Lazelle is an interdimensional alien with a, you know, get the Yankee, have a little bit of a reputation. They they all are in undying, you know, and they're super loyal to their undying queen. Yeah, which, they're not cool. <laughs> you don't want to invite a gift Yankee to like the cookout. You know what no, I mean? No. You don't want to be like, all right, you're bringing potato salad. You're bringing, you know, you tell Lazelle, hey, uh, I would like you to bring root beer float. She's not going to do it. No. She's going to kill someone at the party and serve them. Yeah. It's not good. Yep. So Shadow Hearts uh, hesitance noted, justified yeah. probably in the, in the grand yeah. scheme of things. But oh, yeah. We, you can recruit her and maybe you also have a little pet brain. <laughs> that you might have been able to interact with and recruit. Nah, I killed it. Yeah, same. I, I didn't even mean to. And I, I did. I did. I don't want um, a brain talking to me. And uh, you immediately get into... My brain's already talking too much. I don't need a brain talking out loud. Talking out loud to you. Um, making asks of you. Making requests. Yep. Uh, and then you get kind of get to the culmination of the prologue, which is like a, a nice little set piece fight where there's like a really high level devil and a really high level you know mind flayer they're like level nine and eight or something and mm-hmm. they're fighting each other they're like dueling and the devil's got a big flaming sword and the mind flayers like sending out psy- psychic energy and just trying to stun the devil and there's imps and whatnot attacking you and you're playing this and the the really important thing that makes this game's turn-based combat work is it is snappy it is mm-hmm. really when something ends its turn, the next turn, if it's like another NPC, they're already moving before the camera even zooms to like where that next enemy is. That enemy is like halfway through its turn. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's even like when it, when there's like enough enemies, when there's like some of these huge fights we're going to do later in the in this season, it's almost like a tiny bit more challenging to read. And it's like, wait, wait, mm-hmm. what did that imp do? What did that zombie do over there? Uh, that turn went so quickly. It's that's really important because these mm-hmm. fights can take a lot of turns. They can take a lot of time and like having it be snappy really matters. Well, the AI is also because we talked about the uh, initiative grouping thing. Mm-hmm. The the uh, 
the uh, I was going to say the PC, the the NPC enemies, right? Uh, if they have simultaneous initiative, they'll take a simultaneous turn. Yes, and and that's like huge for some it's of these huge. fights. As, and I find that it's usually if they share a creature type. Yeah. So like, yeah, if, if you grouped. got, yeah, you'll be if you're in the same initiative order and you're kind of like roughly the same class or initiative type, you will just all move and then do your little attacks, pop, 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 and then you're, you know, we've moved on. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, this allayed a lot of my concerns when I first booted up Baldur's Gate way back in the early access, and it is still snappy, if not snappier. Um, mm-hmm. This is a cool fight. Did you like? Did you stick around in this fight? Did you fight? The, no, the, the I commander? just I've, d- I've done this enough times where I just don't care, and so I like dashed my way because really all you have to do is make your way to the um, to the console at the front, to the helm, and mm-hmm. then like wiggle the thing. We've talked yeah. before on uh, one of the previous like impressions episodes how cool it is the way the mind flayer ship the nautiloid how it goes through the planes which is like you attach these like tentacles to one another and you like twang them like a guitar yeah it's pretty cool um but yeah so i just like sprinted my way up there to do that and like killed the stuff on the way um so it wouldn't attack of opportunity me presumably what you did is kill the devil yeah so because i've got a solo playthrough here planned and i know that the two allies that I am currently partied up with due to necessity on the, in this tutorial, they're not going to be sticking around. So I need every advantage I can get. So you have, you know, 16 turns or something in order to like Mm -hmm. activate the transponder before uh, I guess you crash. Um, And around 10 turns remaining two uh, big old Cambians arrive Mm-hmm. To help out the the devil, um, but if you can kill the devil, if you can kind of like you know coordinate with the mind flayer, and if the mind flayer gets lucky and stuns the devil enough, and you can just land a couple of hits, you can kill him, and he drops this cool flaming great sword that is just like always on fire, so it always deals like an extra one d four fire damage. Um, so we stick around for a couple turns, and uh, it was actually a, a, a really great. Like a auspicious begin to the to the playthrough that I was able to do this without reloading, um, and I was able to get the flaming sword, which is great. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is just pick it up, and then I like had somebody else activate the transponder, and pop, we were out of there. Yep. Um, and then you uh, bloop your way the the into the wilderness. <laughs> yep. The uh, nautiloid crashes. There's a little cutscene of, of, a, of a, like a bunch of people who are like in the surrounding area, like looking at this thing flying mm-hmm. through the sky, mm-hmm. uh, frowning. Like, oh, what's going on? Oh, there's a, there's a there's like a, a, a tiefling looking through a uh, you know some binoculars or like a telescope. You see mm-hmm. a, dra- a smug drow and a hobgoblin yeah. looking at it. Yep, like, the goblins are mobilizing. Oh my gosh, what's going mm-hmm. on? It's great. And interestingly, as you're falling onto the beach. You are like, you know, you're falling at terminal velocity here. Mm-hmm. And then you are like, uh, something levitates you briefly. <gasps> oh, and you're like, oh, what's going on? And then you fall and hit your noggin. You wake up the yep. next morning. Yeah. The, uh, uh I, there's a really cool shot before that of a, like, a you're like sucked up against the side of the ship because like, you know, there's a vacuum Yes. Whatnot. And, there, and there's like a mind flayer there and he could have zapped you in the head, but it chose not to. Yeah, there's a little bit of like you're both 
kind of you make Uh-oh. eye contact. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is this is no good. G- and get I, a load of this. And what interrupts that moment is like a, a shard of the nautiloid smacking you in the face and like propelling yeah. you out of the window. Well, so this is the setup, and then we'll talk a little bit about some uh, companions you can get here at the beginning, because there's basically a couple more tutorial fights, right? Sure. Like, you can go around the car- the crash nautiloid, and it's an opportunity to get some companions, you know, to start the game with. But let me let me uh, say a thing. Sure. I couldn't come up with a verb there. Let me say a thing here at the beginning. I don't. I don't think I like. After having sat with it, you know, since, it, you know, we both played the game the week it came out, you know, completed it very quickly, been sitting with it. I, I uninstalled it after that. I have not returned to it. I, I've, I'm back now. I really don't like that the game starts with, like, the 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 universe. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, I don't like that it begins with spell jammer shit, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. In my, like, ideal D&D fantasy scenario, right? Yeah, where you're starting at level one. You begin as a dirt farmer, Mm -hmm. and as you get more powerful, you you discover that you are part of, like, a vast universe of wild shit that happens, right? Ooh, there's the Feywild over there. Ooh, there's, like, Spelljammer stuff going on here. Ooh, there's the Nine Hells. They're down there. Oh, wait a minute. There's, like, demons, too? In the Abyss? You know what I mean? Like, as you learn about the war, as you get more powerful, you, by necessity, have to learn about, like, the Underdark and all this other, like, weird stuff in the world because, like, that's the the threats that you slowly work your way up to understanding, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, that's, you understand by virtue of being more powerful in the world, the fantasy world, you understand the context you live in better. Okay. I like, I, that's what I like in my D and D fantasy. Mm-hmm. This game begins with the like planar stuff. Yeah. And I don't really like that. Yeah. You are, you're getting your first cinematics with everything cranked up to 11. Yeah, I think it just, yeah, I I really think it dispels some of the more, um, the fun revelation of that stuff, I guess, right? That, like, I don't think that every random person's, like, crossing over into, like, devils and, and to, you know, interplanar ships and all this kind of stuff, right? But that is, that's Baldur's Gate 3's imaginary, right? And maybe I'm just poisoned by... Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, which take you from Dirt Farmer to uh, Regional Hero <laughs> to then Planar Hero. Well, know? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, some, I'm going to speculate here, and I'm going to think okay. that part of this is actually exacerbated by, you know, you've got the prologue. I'm on a Nautiloid mm-hmm. in Hell. Yeah. And then aside from the wreckage of the Nautiloid and giant tentacles of the Nautiloid, you know, being mm-hmm. around like the beach where it crashes, you then go to an area that is, you know, I, not level one dirt farmer by any means, but very well-trod, low-level D&D mm. campaigns. Low, right? low fantasy. Low fantasy. You know, there mm. are, what, what are they going to be? They're going to be goblins. Mm. They're, they're going to be rude. There's going to be a couple uh, of skeletons. Mm-hmm. There's going to be like, and where are the skeletons? They're in a crypt. Um. There's going to be some wildlife. You'll interact with wildlife, maybe even some like magical wildlife, but pretty mm-hmm. like 
stuff that I think that is appropriate and kind of like mm-hmm. definitely, you know, if you're going to make a D&D game, which I think Baldur's Gate 3 is like, that's kind of what it's trying to do here. It's trying to make mm-hmm. the big D&D game. You got to yeah. have that stuff so that later on when you get to act two and three and there's wilder stuff. Oh, wow. Look how far I've come. So I think mm-hmm. that you, what, what you're saying is by starting it at level 11 and then spending an act with it kind of toned down back to three, it, it mutes maybe some of the, the the way the experience could have gone. Um, I, that's know. partially what I'm saying. I think I, what you just said helped, helped me get some clarity for it. Mm-hmm. I think what's fascinating about D&D, right? Like as a, as a especially not even just D&D, the Forgotten Realms as the default D&D setting at this point. That's actually more what I'm speaking to, right? Yeah. Is that... It's like low level campaigns are made up of humans and dwarves and elves and gnomes and half elves and orcs and all these different things, right? That all have like really robust histories to them and uh, interrelationships with one another and all this kind of stuff, right? Tieflings now as well. Mm -hmm. All of that kind of gets pushed out because like the... Like, what are we leaning toward here in this this act, even from the very beginning? Well, we're going to go with Lazel to go and see the uh, the the other Gith Yankee, right? Like, mm-hmm. literally, it's like humans walking around. And we'll talk about this when we get there, obviously. Humans, elves, dwarves, halflings walking around. And over there in the corner of the map, there's literal planar aliens who have like an entire different mode of engagement with the universe than anyone else does. And they like, they make everything. It's exactly what you just said, just in a slightly different uh, context. They mute everything else. They make the kind of interesting diversity of the D and D forgotten realm setting. They make it look quaint and, and uh, pointless by comparison to their big fantasy, fantasy science fiction, uh, context and I you also know, think I think a little and bit the elephants do that too right they do and I think a little bit is almost like there is someone there are a lot of people who are probably playing Baldur's Gate 3 that don't have a lot of experience with the tabletop game or even the Forgotten mm-hmm. Realms right I don't think that's right. an unsafe assumption yeah uh, and there is a trajectory that I think the two of us had in our exposure to mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons and like the Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. of like partially through Baldur's Gate one and two. Sure. Mm-hmm. That was able to like be like, oh, wow, the dwarves are wild. Oh, wow. The, the elves are wild. There's all this like weird and wild stuff about them. Mm-hmm. And then after you are immersed in that in whatever medium you're looking at, be it looking through a monster manual or reading through some campaign books or playing Baldur's Gate, then you enter. Then you like confront the wild stuff. And the wild stuff is that much wilder because you know how deep and how weird that even the kind of the quote unquote traditional fantasy stuff can get. And then yep. there's this stuff out of out of left field. And it almost feels like Baldur's Gate 3 deprives new players of the experience of like it of that reveal of like, mm-hmm. you, you know, this really this world that's all fleshed out. There's a whole other astral plane. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it's like. The cosmic, even here at the very beginning, right? Like falling out of the nautiloid, the co- the obvious cosmic context makes everything we do in Act One feel 
deeply unimportant. Mm. And I enjoy Act One. I think it's good. We're going to have a lot to talk about. We had a couple episodes on it coming up, right? Like, I yeah. think we're going to have a fun time talking about it. I think it's good. But, like, at the end of the day, you know this is not about goblins and druids. And yeah. ultimately, whatever happens to the goblins and druids probably doesn't matter all that much compared to the the cosmic setting, you know, the, the cosmic uh, framework. That kind of supersedes it. So I, I, I just I got to put that out there at the beginning that I think the game by making it mind flares out the gate, it unnecessarily steals thunder. I think it does. I really think it does. I felt that a lot while playing so far. Um, but however, flip side, there's going to be some really some episodes where I don't think that's happening, where I think that like they've managed that mix really well. And I think that makes some stuff stick out in a really good way, really positive way. For example, um, Carlac. I think mm. that sticks out in a really positive way. So um, we'll get there at some point. Let's talk about some companions that we can meet here at the opening of the game and these little short environs around the crashed Nautiloid. Yeah, we've got? got we got four people that we can recruit. And they are just very strategically placed to maximize your, your the chance that you will just run into them. And then you can have like a brief conversation to kind of get their vibe. They, they, yeah. You know, I think that this stuff has been around since early access and it has all been kind of curated and carved to like maximize the information they are giving you about what is this character and trying to make a strong first impression about what you're signing up for. Um, and you know, recruiting them. So the, the first uh, person is going to actually depend on whether or not you freed Shadowheart. If you did free Shadowheart in the uh, prologue, you she will be unconscious on the beach like 30 yards away from, from mm -hmm. where you land. Did you free Shadowheart in your prologue? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you... I mean, I knew you could choose not to, but I didn't know it changed her starting position. It does, yeah. She is banging on the door of the crypts another, like, hundred yards down the beach if she uh, was still in the uh, in the pod when you left. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. She uh, just goes off on her own adventure. Yeah. She, well, I, I, and she's actually a little ticked at you. So, like, that that is the version where it's a little bit more of a confrontational meeting. Mm -hmm. Um. I uh I did not interact with her body. Okay. Yeah, there was uh there are several other corpses around her, and I get a little cutscene where, you know, Balthazar is like, "Man, you don't know who you are, but man, you feel at home around all these dead bodies." And you're just like, "All right, yeah, all right," and I just do not click her. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Okay. Yep. This is gonna. This is gonna be. This is, you're. You're gonna have to carry this. This. This section. Unfortunately, I've got. I've got a couple other interactions I can talk about. But what about what about Shadowheart with you? What's your? What's I, your I talked to Shadowheart. Mm-hmm. Oh, am I with Lazel at the beginning? I actually don't remember. No, no, you're not with Lazel. I like picked the them all up again very quickly at the very beginning. So yeah, I don't remember so, exactly how it worked out. Yeah. So uh, Shadowheart unconscious on the beach. Yeah, she's like right there, and I talked with her. Astarian. Uh, Astarian mm -hmm. is. Uh, laying a trap for people lying about mm -hmm. a brain being in a bush so that he can like assault you mm -hmm. and i uh, it was like oh he's a vampire it was pretty clear <laughs> that's what's really funny is that the canonically you don't know he's a vampire yeah you don't but it's like pretty yeah he's like trying to trick me he like uh tackled me we did a little bit of a roll around while he was trying to kill me and i was like hey don't try to kill me join my my team he joined my team for a little while and uh Interestingly, because, you know, if, if you know Balthazar, you know it's about it's about Solo. 
but it's yeah. also about becoming as powerful as possible mm -hmm. right and notably by the way mm -hmm. only four you can only have four people in a party in this in game. a party you at once you can't Every, have six any in excess will be in a in a pocket plane called your camp mm -hmm. yeah which we'll talk about in some other yeah. future episode but anyway i uh asterian I, I i i tell asterian hey i don't want you with me but you can mm -hmm. hang out at my camp yeah um, so I do that to a staring. There's a hand popping out of a portal. Did you see that? A uh, hand popping out of a portal? Yeah. No, I don't think I There's did like a, see a sassy that. wizard. I don't know what you're talking about. Old Gale? You didn't meet Gale? I did not go there because I knew I would not be playing with Gale, and I did not want to initiate any of Gale's quest. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, Gale, in my game, an mm -hmm. old Ticklevar session, and I played me the original game. I'm sure there are Gale lovers who are deeply disappointed. Here's the deal. Every single one of these party members, only some of them are going to show up in anyone's game. And uh, I played my first playthrough when the game came out with Gale, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't enjoy him as a character, and I found actually having to keep up with his quest onerous. Mm. I hated having to feed him my items and all kinds of stuff. So like Chicklevar game just will not have a Gale in it because I never rescued Gale from the planar hole that he was in. Well, Gale ever. lovers, I have just very bad news. Oh, no. What happened to Gale? Well, I saw a hand popping out of a portal and uh -huh. there was a voice on the other side. He's like, hey, can I get a hand? Mm -hmm. And there was a dialogue option from the Dark Urge to be like. And a big part of this playthrough for for us, in the same way, if you, if you you know listener, view a listener, take your mind back to um, Disco Elysium, the Disco Elysium season. Cameron role played a very bad protagonist, like a virulently racist character, right? It, and in Disco Elysium, yeah, in Disco Elysium, yeah, um, not all the time, not all the time. But, you know, that was Ticklevar. Like, I mean, we there's not a lot of opportunity here in the in the first episode to get a sense of him as a character. He believes strongly in markets mm -hmm. and he thinks that authority is important. Yeah. Those are the two things. Those are the two things. But uh, I am going to I'm just letting you know, listener, if there is mm -hmm. ever a dialogue option that has in brackets dark urge next to it, I'm, I'm clicking it. Because uh, we want to, I want to see like the full, you know, we want to present to you two very different playthroughs. And one of them is Balthazar as the Dark Urge doing mm -hmm. the Dark Urge stuff. There was a dialogue option mm -hmm. that says fantasize about tearing the hand off. Oh, no. And the Balthazar, screen don't. Balthazar, and no. The screen goes to black. Balthazar, no. <laughs> and I come to and uh, I've got his hand in my, in my inventory. Balthazar, no. Balthazar, no. Oh, no. Uh, and what's now, do you really, think that uh, mm -hmm. do you think the, the game was trying to tell you you think the hand was trying to tell you what to do? I think so. I think that the hand was literally saying, hey, give me a hand, which is and an that's, order. That's an order. And the worst thing that anyone can do is tell anyone what to do. Yeah. Unless someone told you what to do and then you telling them mm -hmm. to die is okay yeah it's what about if who you, told who what first it's okay for someone to say do what thou wilt as long as you don't tell them what to do yes the uh but yeah so ticklevar generally is going to be leading from the political center 
mm-hmm. and uh, Balthazar is going to be be uh, um, uh, the uh, ontological murder libertarian that we all know and love. You know, I was thinking about what about the huge mages of murder dads fan who loves yeah. Balthazar. He bought the Balthazar shirt for the limited time. It was for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a he, the fan. <laughs> it, 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 I think it might be. Um, you 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 think I don't think that's true. I don't think that the the biggest mages of murder dads fans are he. Oh no, I'm saying Balthazar fan. I haven't finished with the description of the fan. I know, but you gendered the fan. I did ginger the fan because what's coming next is they're a hardcore libertarian. Uh, and they are a fan specifically of Balthazar because Balthazar is like, look at this cool, fun, positive role model for libertarianism, right? I, I got you. I got you. Yes. So you think you think the the uh, the uh, in ideality? Yes. Yeah, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. What you're and that fan in particular is going to be watching this season and be like, no, Balthazar, don't do that. <laughs> Balthazar, the market solve. No. The uh, but yeah, so you you rip Gail's hand. Presumably, he died. Uh, I don't see the body, the rest of the body. Maybe he's okay. okay. Interesting. interesting. So you didn't interact with Shadowheart. You ripped Gail's hand off. What about Lazelle? What happened there? Well, Lazelle, I, uh, we meet Lazelle in a cage. Um, that's she's been, like, right. She's been that's trapped right. by two right. tieflings. Two tieflings have got her in a little cage. That's and they're right. arguing about like what they need to do. Like, are they, should they like run, get help? Should mm-hmm. they try to kill her? They mm-hmm. obviously know that because they're is, afraid of the alien. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they know that there's been this big crash landing and there's this weird alien. So uh, it's bad vibes. They're also worried about goblins. They mention, oh, well, you know, the goblins could come. Um, So I arrive and I just tell them and Lazel telepathically orders me to free Mm -hmm. her. And I tell the tieflings, hey, how about you let her out and I'll take care of it. And Lazel initially thinks that I'm like planning on helping her and it's just a ploy to like free her mm-hmm. and she gets out of the cage after um after they release her and she tells me either you look either you're fighting with me or you die and boy that is a very that is a very strong telling me what to do in that moment that's a, I, was, I was overwhelmed by someone telling me what to do so i i killed lazel oh my god yeah just slashed her up with a uh with my flaming greatsword. And then I stole her armor and put it on, and it looks dope. It's really shiny. It's got all these little rubies in it. It's strong, too. It's, like, got a one higher AC than, like, all the other medium armor. And I'm still, oh, able, to use my, I'm still able to use my plus two dexterity bonus to AC. So I'm just projecting forward what's going to go on. Yeah. With Balthazar in this playthrough. Mm-hmm. I feel like his commitment to, uh, you know, what do we know that Balthazar hates to be told what to do? Mm -hmm. He hates slavery. He does. We know that. Mm -hmm. He hates druids. We know that. You know, what's wild is what happens when slaves tell Balthazar what to do? Oh, my God. What? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll find out. Um, but uh, um, who who's the other uh, character? So I've got Lazel. I'll tell. I'll give you the heads up about what Ticklevar's got. Ticklevar's yeah. got in the party right here: Shadowheart, Lazel, Asterion, and then immediately, you know, Hot Foot all the way up the map because I know what I'm doing mm. to get Carlac. 
I, and we won't have, we don't have to talk about that here. I know that's like in a future episode. I'm just letting people know. I'm not going to be mentioning Asterion for a little while because filled out the party with with Karlak here, like at the very beginning. Gotcha. So um, you've got sorcerer, cleric, fighter, and barbarian. Yeah. So two two swingies and a healy and a shooty. If you know, it makes sense. I think it's one of those things where you like if you're doing a stealth. If you like have any stealth person in your playthrough, it really changes the way you like interact with the game and move around in environments. Yeah, I just don't like it. It like really makes the game very slow. It 100% um, does. And that's fine. Like I, I'm not critical of that play style, but that's not how I want to play the game. And I like just like, you know, I like sword and board. Like that's fun. I like yeah. sword and board with like a wizard shooting over your shoulder. That's like that's fantasy to me. So yeah, and also with a barbarian and a fighter, you have very different potentially very different sets of equipment that do, do not necessarily eat into one another. It's, they're, they're not necessarily yeah. having to compete over the same gear. I mean, we'll also talk about this going on. That's not a problem in this game, right? Like there's so much stuff. Yeah, it's it's the least stingy game ever made, and so mm-hmm. like. I, you know, at, at this point where I'm at, I'm in act two now in terms of my actual play, not the episodes we're doing. But, yeah, I've got like five different alternate weapons for everyone for whatever scenario we're going into. Um, sometimes if you're fighting a construct, you need everyone to have a hammer. Well, I got you covered, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, the game is so liberal with what it gives you and allows you to play with it. It kind of really doesn't matter. The I, I do want to, I did want to do a slightly different thing. Um, but it just it just didn't work out. I'll talk about later on how that goes. But yeah, I've, I'm I'm rocking in terms of companions and companion quests that I'm playing with and and people that I'm following through the game. Just to tell people straight up here at the beginning, we're going to be doing the Carlax stuff. We're going to be doing the Lazel stuff, and we're going to be doing the Shadowheart stuff until the Shadowheart stuff is over. And then I'm going to move into a different character because uh, you can do that. Shadowheart's quest is kind of over for the most part. Uh, two thirds of the way through the game, and then in Baldur's Gate, which is the final third of the game, we can do some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, they, you you got a lot of options. You can you can yep. switch through, and Balthazar will be doing Balthazar stuff. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm, that's it. Uh, well, yeah. So we have completed the prologue. We have the party has been assembled, and in yep. the next episode, we are heading to kind of the crux of the plot stuff. Uh, in in kind of like where does everything kick off? Where 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 mm-hmm. where are we getting pushed towards? And you know, kind of the the act plot wise is going to revolve around the Emerald Grove. Are we going to be talking about druids next episode? Uh, yeah, they they got word that we don't like them, and so they put them in the game. So we we would have to talk about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in, in case you're concerned that we just talked about these companions by name and didn't like get into the nitty gritty, we're going to talk about these characters. As the thing goes on, a lot. Don't We're don't talk you worry about it for uh, many over twenty hours. Yeah. So <laughs> if if uh, Shadowheart is your favorite character and and you're sad that I just said, oh yeah, I got Shadowheart and we moved on. I promise you, we'll get there. However, we will not get there with Gale. <laughs> So feel ever. free to, to we'll never get there. I, I we're not talking about Gale basically ever again. Gale's so. hand makes a brief appearance in Act Three. Oh no. Yeah. God. Wait, is it in your inventory? It just stays in my inventory the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah, we'll get a little bit more. Asterion's chilling out in my camp. We'll get a little bit more granularity on all these characters later on, but that's who we're rocking with. All right. That's the end of 
Episode one of Baldur's Gate 3 will be back in two weeks with uh, the next episode. We're going to start talking about the Druid's Grove and a couple other things, too. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash patreon.com slash ranged touch. That's uh, where we have access to a bunch of bonus episodes and other things for the other shows that we do. You can go to rangetouch.com to see all the other shows that we got going on, like Just King Things, where Michael Lutz and I read through all the works of Stephen King and Publication Order. Um, you can check out Shelved by Genre, Shelved by Genre, where Michael and Austin Walker and I read genre literature. If you like this show, I bet you'll like that one. And we got a bunch of other stuff too. So go to rangetouch.com. And if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash rangetouch. We don't buy any advertising. Uh, we only spread by word of mouth. If you like listening to Mages and Murder Dads, the only way people find out about Mages and Murder Dads is if you tell them. So if you enjoyed listening to this, Go back to the previous episodes, enjoy those too, but tell people about it. Link it to people, email it to people, send it to them over social media, make a TikTok about it, do what all the kids are doing these days. Help us spread the word of the show, because the only way people learn about it is if you tell them. That's right. That's it. All right, we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode when we're talking about the Druid Grove. Ciao. Say it, the bite's a little bit.